0: This is the gem on the Queen's crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton sports podcast, and it's episode 92 with spring heating up. We've got a collection of baseball and softball updates to cover, along with hockey playoffs and MOS action. Plus, a quick blurb about the latest changes to the podcast. That's all coming up on the latest episode of the local Sunday sports podcast. Welcome to another installment of The Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Opening theme from Music Radio Creative. Visit the slash podcasts to listen on your favorite podcasting platform. Now for our host, Lee W. Mallon. So right off the bat in episode 92, let's go ahead and talk about those slight changes to the podcast. Like I mentioned, oh, I forget which day it was now, but this podcast is no longer a part of the Pulse Podcast Network. It was a busy night. I think it might have been Friday after the Dragons win at 5th Third Field. I get this message saying that this podcast and Pretty much all the other podcasts were no longer part of the Pulse Podcast Network, which is okay. I have no hard feelings on it and no regrets. It was cool being part of a network for uh, about 20 episodes because I think it was first week of January that was part of the network. Got a lot of people to retweet and like, spread the word about this podcast. Like I mentioned, no hard feelings. Nothing really much will change on this side of the podcast. Still do weekly episodes, still planning on episode 100. Haven't really thought about what I'm doing quite yet, but I'll get there. But I also like to mention, because Pulse Podcast Network had a shop, and since this is no longer part of the network, I'm reopening my T Public shop. If you remember all those moons ago that I got a free sticker and free shirt because I hooked up my Podchaser account to it, I have a shop. And the link is available at com slash podcast. It's the buy merchandise link. I have it right underneath the listings and everything. So if you want to rock the the Gem on the Queen's Crown logo, you can do so there. Shirts are 18 bucks. They have a little bit of everything. They got baseball shirts, which is different color sleeves and different color shirt, I guess is the best way to describe it. Good prices and good quality. I still wear my podcast shirt from time to time. So it's at Tee Public, but the link is available at com slash podcasts. It's the buy merchandise link that I have set up. So, no more Pulse Podcast Network and shop. That's your two changes. I'm glad we had this talk. Now let's talk about sports, because that's the whole purpose of this podcast. And we'll start off with the Dayton Dragons. As you are probably well aware, opening night was last week. The Dragons welcomed in the Bowling Green Kentucky Hot Rods. They are the single-A affiliate of the Tampa Bay Rays and the Dragons after last night come in to tonight's game 2-4. and four. It's a four game set at Fort Wayne and the Tin Caps have taken the first two. The Dragons went 1-1 one one at home. They fell in the home opener 3-2. to two. After starter Jared Solomon gave up three earned runs the bullpen came in and pitched shutout baseball. Some of it was more painless than other innings but the Dragons did get two runs in the bottom of the eighth, and just when it looked like the Dragons would attack again, they were sent down one, two, three, I believe almost struck out the side Did that relief pitcher for pulling green, and the Dragons lost their season opener. Dayton hasn't won a season opener since 2012. It's been that long. Some of those games not at 5th-3rd field, some of those games at 5th-3rd field, but the Dayton Dragons could not win their home opener. They did get revenge by taking the second game 7-5. Played much better. And then went 1-1 and at Bowling Green as the pitching staff on Saturday had a 5-hit shutout when the 6-0 Dragons win. But on the next day, the Dragons got an early lead. But that was it. Now that Sunday game where Bowling Green won 13-2, there is a nice Dayton connection, other than the Dragons are playing. Former Wright State pitcher Caleb Sampin, who was drafted, I believe the Dodgers organization, and then traded, I forget which trade it was, but Sampin finds himself now in the Tampa Bay organization. And his first ice start, Sampin picked up the win, five innings, one run, one hit ball, I believe he struck out six. In five innings of play, so it's very cool to see Sampin. It's very cool to see a Wright State Raider succeed so well, or a local collegiate player succeed so well in the minors. And Sampin did just that. So the Dragons went two and two in their series with Bowling Green, two at home, then two at Bowling Green, Kentucky. And the Dragons fell twice to Fort Wayne, fell nine to five on Monday. After having a three to one lead in the bottom of the sixth, and then last night had a one-nothing lead for the majority of the game, then a two-nothing lead, and then in the bottom of the eighth, it was Julio Pinto on the mound, and he gave up a grand slam. I was listening to this game on the radio on 980 AM and my jaw was Open for most of the trek on 675 heading home. So, yeah, that kind of stunk with that grand slam. Did get a ground out after that to end the inning, but one batter too late. And then just as I'm pulling in to home, the Dragons tied up with Brent Spillane's two-run home run, a liner of the shot out to left field and then Fort Wayne scored a run with two outs on the bottom of the ninth to take it 5-4 so yeah that was a tough loss especially that grand slam that kind of took the air out of the tires if you will two more games in Indiana and then Dayton is back home this Friday for three against Lake County and three more against the Tin Caps as we'll go to the stats you can Pull these up by yourself at DaytonDragons.com or MILB.com slash Dayton. The stats so far, Juan Martinez leads all batters, five hits and fourteen at bats in four games for a three fifty-seven batting average. Mario Bartista, not far behind at 353. The offense has picked up a little bit, and I know six games in, you can't really look at the numbers like, ooh. You know, this player is going to be the leader of the Dragons. Good numbers so far for the offense. Pitching-wise, eh, I see a couple double-digit ERAs on there. Very high ERAs for most of the staff. I am quite impressed, though, with a couple of pitchers. John de Jesus, his first start, he picked up a win in five innings, just three hits allowed. Struck out three, walked two. An ERA of a cool 0.00 in his first start. And I think De DeJesus should be starting in Fort Wayne. I think he's got tomorrow's game. He might have the first home game against Lake County. Ryan Campbell, two appearances out of the bullpen. Did give up one earned run and two runs total in his second appearance. But pitched well in the home opener For the Dragons, three scoreless innings, couple hits allowed, but the former UIC flame in the bullpen has done pretty nicely. Five strikeouts, three walks, and four and a third. James Marinian, he started and took a loss, giving up three earned runs, eight hits, and four frames. Lyon Richardson had a very nice start. 2.25 A 2.25 ERA, one earned run, and two hits. Couldn't qualify for the win because in baseball you need to go five, or in softball you need to go four. Looking at some of the other numbers as well, Connor Bennett, two appearances, his ERA is at 18, gave up four earned runs. I believe that was his second appearance on the road. His first one, he did face a basis-loaded situation, but got out of it. Andy Cox, his first game, he picked up the first Dayton save, the only Dayton save thus far. His second appearance, though, he gave up four runs, one and two-thirds innings for Cox, the left-hander, one of two on this team. So, yeah, the pitching has been roughed up a couple games. There's been a couple, actually, I think just the one game where the Dragons allowed double digits and runs, but there's been a couple high single-digit games as well. So far, the standings and the way too early to talk about, but Fort Wayne, which is the single-A affiliate of San Diego and the Padres, and Lake County, the single-A of the Cleveland Indians, they're currently first 4-2. Then you've got a log jam at 3-3 three and three with Bowling Green, Lansing, who's Toronto's single-A affiliate, South Bend, the Cubs, West Michigan, part of Detroit. They're all 3-3. Three and three. Dayton and Great Lakes. Great Lakes being in the West, just in case you're curious. There is a four-team tie for first. Four and 4-2 for Beloit, Oakland, Burlington, the Angels, King County of the Arizona Diamondbacks, and Wisconsin, part of the Milwaukee Brewers organization. In fifth place, just one game back, Quad Cities, part of the Houston Astros affiliation. Clinton and Peoria two and four. Clinton is now with Miami, no longer part of Seattle's organization. That was a ten run, ten year run between the Lumber Kings and the Mariners of Seattle. Peoria part of St. Louis. Historically, they bounced around between the Cardinals and the Cubs. And one and five. That's the Cedar Rapids Colonels, part of the Minnesota Twins organization. That's your look at the Midwest League. It's the full season single A conference out there along with the South Atlantic League but six games in Dragons have a little work to do but it is a marathon not a sprint and like I mentioned the Dragons will be back at home Friday Saturday and Sunday I'll be there Sunday or excuse me I'll be there Saturday uh, Friday Saturday and Sunday I'm at UD but Saturday night I'll be there and I'll tweet updates at my account at the Lee W Mallon and now we talk about the Cincinnati Reds. 2-8 and eight in 10 games. 10 games already. Wow. 10 games already. That's crazy. Well, my notes from yesterday, were are going to talk about, you know, the offensive woes. But I guess what cures all is a trip from Miami. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Reds are 2-8. and eight. They run the home opener 5-3 against Pittsburgh. But had an eight game losing streak after that fell in the series finale to Pittsburgh five nothing. It turned out that Saturday game was washed out along with the twenty year twenty seasons game that the Dayton Dragons were planning. I think everything got rained out with the exception of Wright State versus Youngstown State, but we talked about that last week. Got swept by Milwaukee. Got swept at Pittsburgh in four. And I think that's the first time the Pirates won three in a series versus Cincy since, what they say, 1931? So yeah, things have changed since then. At least I think. Pitching has not been the issue. The bullpen's been a little eh. I mean, David Hernandez, I believe Pittsburgh got the game-winning run or possibly the go-ahead runs off of him. Serving up a couple meatballs so far and these are batting stats I don't want those we'll talk about pitching stats first Amir Garrett strong five games no ERA and four and a third just three hits allowed one walk six strikeouts the highest ERA belongs to Zach Duke at 11.57 one win one loss five appearances two and a third three earned runs on two hits two walks one strikeout some of the ERAs are a little more elevated for the Reds. I mentioned David Hernandez at 7.36, one loss, five appearances, three and two thirds, three earned runs, off eight hits, and three walks. Some of the walks to strikeout ratio in the bullpen is not great. Discoflani, Discoflani, not Discoflani, whatever I said. Disco, 6.75 ERA and two starts, one loss. 700 runs on 10 hits and nine and a third. He's got the highest ERA of the starters. Tanner Roark is not too far behind at 5.79. Rysel Iglesias, probably the big surprise. His ERA is at 5.79. And some of the fans are saying, let him warm up. Let the weather warm up type of thing. Like I mentioned, Mir Garrett, impressive. First start for Tyler Malley, impressive. Six innings, five hit shutout. Five strikeouts, no walks. Luis Castillo, he just earned his first win of the year last night in that slugger fest against Miami, 14 to nothing, which we'll talk about. Robert Stevenson, three appearances, 1.69 ERA. That is pretty nice coming out of the bullpen. Sonny Gray, two losses, but that second start, a little bit more promising than the first. I believe Sonny Gray didn't even last the fourth inning in that 5-0 loss against Pittsburgh. We'll talk about the pleasant side of things. I mean, last night's win. The Reds cranked out five home runs, 16 hits. Did commit an error, but scored 14 runs, seven runs in the sixth inning. That is impressive. And you might say, well, yeah, it's the Miami Marlins. They probably couldn't beat a triple-A team, which, fine, but they do have three wins on the year. Curtis Granderson... Who's bounced around the league now? Probably the most famous UIC flame to play baseball. Actually, I'll put money on it. He is the most famous UIC flame to play baseball. He's in the leadoff. He's a Miami Marlin. The new look for the Miami Marlins is nice if you like, you know, jerseys and logos and such. But in terms of what the Miami Marlins did, four hits, one error, no runs. It's. Wasn't really that close throughout. Luis Castillo, seven innings of two hit, one walk, eight strikeout baseball. And his ERA at one point was 1.23 in the game. It's now under one at .92. That's pretty good. And Lorenzen shut the door for two scoreless innings, two hits, one walk, four strikeouts, and an ERA at three. And Lorenzen actually came in to pinch hit and walked actually oh for one with a walk and one run scored yeah last night's game keeping up with the stats didn't get to listen to the radio broadcast i had high school baseball which we'll talk about in a little bit follow along with the stats the reds did a very nice job and i i know again it's miami but at the same time get that confidence rolling get the offense feeling good Maybe things will turn around from here. A little bit of a hole to climb out under 500 or six games under 500, I should say. But it all starts somewhere. Urena took the loss. He's now 0-3 for the Marlins. Gave up four runs and in five innings, eight hits, four strikeouts, three walks. His ERA ballooned to 9.22. The first reliever was Wee-Ying Chen. Just listed as W. Chen on here, so I hope I did not Butcher that name. But Chen came in two innings, seven hits, ten runs, three strikeouts, two walks. Gave up four of the five home runs that Cincinnati hit. Also hit Joey Votto in a video where it looks like Votto's charging the mound, but he's just tossing the ball back to the pitcher. (laughs) The PA announcer for Liberty Bet and I were having a good laugh on that. That That was pretty cool. There was a pitcher that threw shutout baseball for Miami. It was Bryce. I believe that's former Red Austin Bryce. Let's take a look. One inning of one hit, one walk, two strikeout baseball. It is Austin Bryce, now the age of 26. Born in Hong Kong, China. I did not know that. And also drafted by the Florida Marlins in the ninth round. It's part of the Reds for the last few years. But now, back with the Marlins. Now the Miami Marlins, I should say. Just looking at the stats here, the box score, which you can find on Reds.com, that game was something else. Five home runs. Five home runs. I think Kemp had one of them. He's got three RBIs in the game, and now his batting average is at 148. Farmer had... hit with 3 RBIs his batting average is 182 like I said you build the confidence you start getting going I think that the Reds will be okay I also decree that we should play Miami the rest of the season let's see what would that be 162 take away 8 what would that be be 154 and 8 I can live with that can you live with that I don't know. But the two teams will play again later tonight. And we'll take a look at the batting stats now. That's been the major woe for Cincinnati. The offense just can't get it going. Barnhart is leading all hitters at a three thirty three average, 8 hits, 24 at-bats. The outfield at one point was batting it was under 100. It was like 071. And in the first time ever in the live stats era, that's happened. It's kind of bad. But like I mentioned, I think that the road to recovery starts here. You got to start somewhere. Now, of course, you probably already heard about the suspensions. Manager David Bell is back for tonight. Yasiel Pleague still has another game to serve. Chris Archer has a five-game suspension. It's a five-day suspension. It's one of those two for throwing behind the back of Derek Dietrich, who I still think is a nice pickup. He's batting 227, and I think he had a rough night against the Marlins. By rough night, I mean 0-4, two strikeouts, but walked once. That's against his former team. Still think that's a very solid pickup. Um... I believe he'll do nice things for the Reds in the time to come. So that's a little bit about the pro baseball scene in Cincinnati, Dayton. It's very cool that the Dragons are celebrating their twentieth year in Dayton, Ohio. They're about the same age as me. They started off in nineteen eighty eight as a team in Rockford, Illinois, bounced around a couple of affiliations. I believe the last one was the Reds before they moved to Dayton. I really like what the Dragons have done. And in fact, the whole scene around Fifth Third Field's just blooming. I mean, the apartment buildings are being built up. I mean, they're expensive, but with the growth that's coming out of this, it's very nice. So I definitely dig that. And now it's time to talk about baseball at Fifth Third Field. But you're asking, wait, you just talked about the Dragons. They only had two home games. Yes, but I'm talking about high school baseball. Since 2006, the Dayton Dragons have welcomed in local high school teams from around the area to play. It's the 14th straight season where high school has been played at 5th-3rd field, and admission is free to all the games, and the teams can bring in their own media, announcers. I feel like last night's Spencerville and Liberty Benton game, I think – Michael Hearn will probably account for this, but I think most of the town of Spencerville and most of Liberty Benton's area, which is around the Finley, Ohio area, I think most of the towns came down to watch it, which is cool. That was a nice crowd last night. We have played six games, and we have many, many more to go. But six games in, a couple of run rules, but it's been very, very nice. New Knoxville fell to Lincoln View, 14-0. Edgewood battled back against a very good Fairborn team. Pondix Tech ran Rule Stivers. And in the first inning alone, the Golden Panthers had five stolen bases. And I think about 20 for the game. I mean, Pondix Tech just swiped bases. And multiple runners stole multiple bases in the same frame. And then Tippecanoe handed Pickwa a loss. Lebanon edged out Harrison 5-3, to and Liberty Benton won against Spencerville 10 nothing. High school baseball at 5th-3rd field is very nice. Like I mentioned, the local teams get to play. I have a lot of northern teams, like Northwest Ohio teams coming down, and some of them even play at the other 5th-3rd field in Toledo, Ohio, home of the AAA Toledo Mudhens of the Detroit Tigers. Getting a chance to play at a minor league park is a big deal. And I love the fact the Dragons do it. This year it's now sponsored by Mount St. Joseph University down in Cincinnati. And all six games they've raffled off hats. And they've been there for all the games. It's very nice. Now there won't be another high school baseball game until April 19th at 5th 3rd Field and it'll be a doubleheader and three cross-county conference teams will play. It'll be Mississinewa Valley taking on Northwestern. And then it will be the Battle of 49 with Franklin Monroe versus Arcanum. Saturday, April 20th has Lancaster going against Springboro. And then my alma mater, Valley View, will take on National Trail and the Blazers on April 20th. And then April 22nd, it'll be Layman Catholic taking on Dayton Christian. And then Versailles takes on Fort Laramie. Tuesday, April 30th, we'll have Springfield and Wayne, a great G-Walk battle. And then it's the Battle of Dixie and Milton Union for the last time in the Southwestern Buckeye League. Actually, I shouldn't say that. Milton Union's in there for a couple more years, but that series is winding down. Wednesday, May the 1st, is West Liberty-Salem against Mechanicsburg. And then the game that I'm hoping that no announcers show up for on May the 1st at 7. It's the Battle of 503. Not that battle. It's probably Shawnee and Twin Valley South. And on the listing here on Dayton Dragons website, there's a hyphen between Twin and Valley. There shouldn't be a hyphen. But there you go. And then the last four games, Thursday, May 2nd, Springfield versus Middletown. And then Springfield Shawnee versus Beaver Creek. And May the 4th to wrap up high school baseball at 5th 3rd field. Lima Senior takes on Elida. And then Covington versus St. Henry. You blink and then it's already gone. But there's plenty of high school baseball at 5th-3rd Field. I'll be there most days. There'll be some games where I can't be, but there you go. But yeah, I love seeing the fact that the high schools get a chance to play at a minor league facility. And, you know, the kids appreciate it. The coaches appreciate it. The fans appreciate it. It's... It's pretty cool. So, again, if you're looking for high school baseball, support your local school or wait to Fifth Third Field. You can get in for free and watch it from there. How exciting. You might even hear my voice. I don't know if that's a selling point, but there you go. That's the little blurb about high school baseball I had. We're going to step aside from the park to go back in the hockey rink. Playoffs are starting in the NHL and the ECHL, and Cincinnati Cyclones, like I mentioned, won the Brabham Cup, and that's the regular season cup in the ECHL, with a 3-2 win over Toledo. Went 2-1 and in the last week. They did fall at Fort Wayne 5-3. Now, with their last home win against Brampton, that tied the record in the ECHL with most wins at home with 30. The last time that happened, you'd have to backpedal the 2003-2004 season with the San Diego Gulls, and 2001-2002 season, the Louisiana Ice Skaters reached that mark first. So big mark for Cincinnati. This team should do well in the playoffs, but it's a whole other animal. Jesse Schultz won the scoring title in the ECHL, 22 goals, 58 assists, 80 points. He was five points better than the next two. Only the second cyclone to win that title, first since 2007 to David DeCharnay. And remember, 2008 was the year that Cincinnati hoisted the Kelly Cup. The playoffs are upcoming. All series are a best of seven. And I'll tell you that the first two games will be at U.S. Bank Arena in Cincinnati, Friday, April the 12th, and Saturday, April 13th, both at 7:35. It will be the Cyclones, 51, 13, and 8. Well, now you use three numbers. Versus number four, Kalamazoo and the Wings, who finished 36, 31, and 5. The series moves to Michigan, again, a best of seven for Wednesday, April 17th, and then Friday, April 19th at Kalamazoo. Game five will be at Kalamazoo if it's needed. And then the series comes back to Cincinnati if that's needed. Game 6 and 7, Tuesday, April 23rd, Wednesday, April 24th. And all the games at Cincinnati will be at 7.35. Gates open one hour prior to that. Your other series in the Central Division, you'll have number 2, Toledo, 40, 23, and 9. Take on number 3, Fort Wayne, 36, 26 and 10. And it will be the Walleye of Toledo hosting first. We'll look at the Ever Divisions. The South Division, the team that was closest for the Brabham Cup, the Florida Everblades. I don't care what you say to me. That's probably my favorite name in sports, Everblades. You know, Everglades, but, you know, blades, like the things that go on hockey skates. 50-16-6 went Florida. They will host that series against the Jacksonville Icemen, who went 36-32-4. Of course, the Icemen of Jacksonville were the team to move out of Evansville, Indiana. And we're looking at Owensboro, Kentucky for the sports center. but it turned out to be not a plausible thing to add that many seats. So the Icemen moved to Florida, Jacksonville, to be precise. And also, number two, Orlando and the Solar Bears, 41, 25, and 6. They'll take on number three, South Carolina and the Stingrays at 35, 31, and 6. The North Division: The Newfoundland Growlers, forty-three, twenty-one, and eight, take on number four Brampton and the Beast at thirty-six, twenty-nine, and seven. Adronac takes on Manchester, a battle of two versus three. Adronac, the home team, Thunder, thirty-seven, twenty-six, and nine. The Monarchs, thirty-nine, twenty-nine, and four. And you also have the Mountain Division has Tulsa. The number one Tulsa Oilers at 42, 24, and 6, taking on the Kansas City Mavericks at 36, 30 and 6. And then Idaho, the Steelheads, that's a fish, 41, 25 and 6, against the Utah Grizzlies at 37, 26 and 9. And that's your first round of the ECHL playoffs. And now the NHL, Columbus Blue Jackets, got the last spot in the playoffs. They knocked off. I believe it was the Rangers game in the shootout where the Blue Jackets sent Montreal packing without a playoff trip. Very close race, but the Blue Jackets take it. And now Columbus has the Tampa Bay Lightning, arguably one of the best teams in the NHL. Now someone brought up a good point. I think it was Marty Bannister, who was the voice, well, the sideline voice of the Ohio State football team and now with Ohio U saying that it's a better chance than not making the playoffs. True, but you're still running into Tampa Bay. I I think Tampa Bay wins it in five. We're talking about a Lightning team that lost a grand total of 20 times. In 82 games played, 62-16-4. A goal differential of plus 103, scoring 325 while allowing 222. And at home, 32, 7 and 2, away 39 and 2. And the last 10, 7 and 3, with a two game winning streak. And the playoffs start tonight in Tampa Bay as the Blue Jackets went 47, 31 and 4. And a goal differential of plus 26, 258 on 232 allowed. And away 25, 14 and 2. They did take down the Ottawa Senators 6-2 to in their last regular season game, and now have the Lightning to deal with. Like I mentioned, I probably should have a little bit more of a good feeling that the Blue Jackets made the playoffs, but I don't. Last few years, Columbus has made the playoffs cool, but they haven't been able to get out of the first round. And when you have a lead like they did against the Washington Capitals, who did win the Stanley Cup that year, sure, when you have a lead like that, you got to finish the job. And this year, it's a tough task. But I will be happy if the Blue Jackets can get the job done. I'm just not seeing it happening. And you can call me a pessimist on that if you want, which is fine. But I see Tampa Bay winning that series. They are a really, really good team. So there you go. Playoff start. Tonight in hockey. And now we'll jump back on the field for college baseball and softball. I should mention today, if you're listening to it Wednesday the 10th, which is the day I'm recording this, come out to the WSU Softball Stadium. It's the Gem City Slam. Now, yes, the basketball series between Wright State and Dayton was known as the Gem City Jam, and the men's basketball teams haven't played since late 1997. But it doesn't stop me from naming the baseball and softball series the Gem City Slam. I think it's just because, you know, it sounds nice. So there you go. That's my reasoning for that. Your updates thus far? How about those Flyboys? The Dayton Flyers swept the series at St. Bonaventure 9-0, 8-0, and 8-7. And Ben Hughes, the Saturday starter, took the A-10 Pitcher of the Week honors by throwing seven scoreless innings, just three hits allowed, no walks, and a career-high eight strikeouts. He struck out eight bonnies in the contest. Dayton's at 17-13-1 overall, make that 18-13-1. They took the Tuesday affair at Toledo by a 12-9 margin. The Flyers are now 7-2 and in Atlantic 10 play. They're at Ohio State tonight and then back home this weekend to take on the Richmond Spiders. A little antidote for you. One time I saw the Richmond Spiders at the Dayton Mall and I thought Richmond, Indiana. There's too many Richmonds around here. There's too many Centervilles. There's way too many ostriches. Sorry, that's a Family Guy reference. But, yeah, that's a little ditty for you. But, yeah, the Richmond Spiders come in and the Dayton Flyers have won all three of their A-10 series thus far. Currently a game back of VCU, but you gotta like how Coach Jason King has made this Flyer squad quite strong. Dayton softball on the other side. They fell in a three-game set at Fordham in the Bronx. They split the doubleheader on Saturday, lost the first game 5-1, won 13-6 in the nightcap, before dropping the rubber series 7-0. And Dayton will take on Wright State for two Later today, and then head to Philadelphia to take on the LaSalle Explorers. For Wright State softball, the Raiders have lost six in a row. They were swept in Indianapolis by IUPUI and the Jaguars. They dropped 2 3 against Norfolk, Kentucky at home, and they fell 4 3 at Toledo on Monday. Dayton's next, and then it's a three game swing in Youngstown, Ohio against the Youngstown State Penguins. For Wright State baseball, they dropped their first series in a couple seasons. They fell in the first two games at Norfolk, Kentucky, but then took the first or the last game, I should say, nine to one. The first game, the Raiders lost six to three, had a three-two lead heading late, and the bullpen gave up the winning runs to NKU, and seven to six. About the same story, where NKU came back late and won it. The Raiders are now in the Joe Nuxall Classic. That's a wonderful title. That's a wonderful tournament, I should say. If you're not familiar, it's Wright state, Miami, Cincinnati and Xavier battling. Sometimes it's at Miami U's Hayden Field. And sometimes it's at Cincinnati's March Shot Stadium. It's at UC this year, and we already have one or actually one day in. And it was Miami holding off a strong right state comeback. And the Red Hawks will play for their third straight title. The Joe Knox All-Classic. Red Hawks won it 7-6. to six. And now pulling up the UC Xavier battle. It looks like Xavier comes out on top in the battle of Cincinnati. And actually, that's the tennis result. Women's tennis, Xavier won it 4-3. But baseball, let's pull it up. 14-17 are now the Bearcats. The Bearcats won it 2-1. to one. It seems like a really, really close game. And now that sets up a title game between the Bearcats and the Redhawks. That's 6-30 tonight. And then Xavier and Wright State battle for the third time. Wright State lost at home in extras to the Musketeers. And Xavier was shut out at home by Wright State 10-0. Again, Miami's going for their... Third straight Joe Nuxhall Classic tournament. It's a tournament to recognize the Hamilton, Ohio native, who is famous in rounding third, heading for home. The youngest left-hander to pitch at the time for Cincinnati. The one thing, the one thing I wonder about, if Hamilton ever builds that multi-sports complex, or if Foundation Field becomes, I don't know, suitable that size, would. The four teams consider playing it in Hamilton, Ohio. I mean, you have the Miami Hamilton Harriers there. They have a ballpark there. I'm not sure if they play at Foundation. I know the Hamilton Joes do, but I think if you can make it really nice, it's possible that you can move it to Hamilton. I mean, it's kind of kind of the central location, except Wright State's still coming from Dayton. Oxford's not too far from Hamilton. Cincinnati's not too far from Hamilton. There was someone saying that Norfolk, Kentucky should be in right state's place. Uh, no. <laughs> and that's not me being a jerk. I mean, if you're going to add teams, you got to add, you know, Dayton and Norfolk, Kentucky, although I don't know how six teams would fare type of thing. I like it just the way it is. But, again, Miami's going for the third title in the Joe Nuxhall Classic, third straight title in the Joe Nuxell Classic, and they'll take on the Cincinnati Bearcats, whereas Wright State in the consolation game have the Xavier Musketeers. That's at three. Again, Marchdard March Stadium, tickets range from $3 to $5. Again, no softball for Cincinnati Xavier. As we move on to talk about the Miami team, 25-6 overall. Miami's having a really, really good season. They took two out of three at Toledo, 10-6, 3-2, but fell on the Sunday game 7-5. And the Redhawks are sitting at 7-2 in the Mac. And then we'll make the trip up north to take on Bowling Green for 3. Miami Softball, 20-13 and 5-3 in the Mac, with a doubleheader sweep at Bowling Green. Normally in conference series for softball, at least the teams around here, it's a three-game series, and somehow it's a two-game series at Bowling Green, and then Miami hosts Bowling Green for one. I'm not sure on the reasoning on that either. Someone can tell me. And by the way, Red Hawks hosting Bowling Green, that's today. Series win in Northern Illinois, Miami took two out of three. Miami softball did. Now we talk about Northern Kentucky. I mentioned a big series win. They are just a game back of second place Wright State. On the other side, I failed to mention with Wright State series loss at NKU, UIC also suffered a series loss against Youngstown State. Seemed like past few years, Youngstown State has been that one thorn in the UIC side that they just can't beat. Last year, Youngstown State swept them and UIC's towards the top, where Youngstown State is trying to build up that way. It's kind of a neat logjam in the Horizon League, I should say, because Norfolk, Kentucky, and Oakland, they're 6-6, six and six, and they're looking towards the top. What would that be, two games back? or No, that'd be one and a half back of first place UIC, because UIC and Milwaukee only played two. NKU Baseball is 8-22 and 6-6. They fell at Miami 7-3, beat Miami Hamilton 9-6, and then took 2-3 from Wright State. They were at Louisville yesterday. They're hosting Eastern Kentucky today and then at UIC. Now, something that needs to be said for this Norse baseball team, the next five series away from home. That's right. Away from home for five straight conference series, starting at Chicago. In Chicago, at UIC, I should say. I think the last of those series is at Wright State, and then they host one more? Yeah, they host the last weekend type of thing. Now, Northern Kentucky softball, I mentioned they took two out of three at Wright State, making the Norths 4 and 4 in HL play and 11 20 overall. And then. It's hosting Green Bay for three. And that's your look at the Division One schools for baseball and softball. Lots of action. Support your local schools. Great athletes. And it's a great time. Especially if you go to Wright State or Dayton, because then you can possibly hear my voice. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not a selling point. I'll remember that for next time. And to wrap up Episode 92, let's jump on the pitch. MOS now the Dayton Dutch Lions and Cincinnati Dutch Lions don't start until late next month but as the rosters finalize we'll talk a little bit more but FC Cincinnati recently drew with Sporting Kansas City 1-1 although FC Cincinnati had a 1-0 lead at home Sporting Kansas City scored I think 63rd 64th minute Columbus crew defeated Atlanta United 2-0 at home. It is weird seeing Atlanta United at the bottom of the table, but that's where they are. With that win, the crew are now all alone for first place with 13 points in six games. FC Cincinnati is still in the playoff picture, the way-too-early playoff picture, which that starts, what is that, October? FC Cincinnati is currently fifth at the moment. With Orlando City, eight points in six games. Like I mentioned, you got to really like the fact that FC Cincinnati's battling as far as they are in the MLS. And Columbus crew, after being saved away from the snake oil salesman of pre-court, they are alive and well. And lastly, we'll talk about the new arena football team and the Columbus Destroyers you might know they're the destroyers you might know they're keeping the same logo what you might not know is they are not going back to the original color scheme why? I'm not sure they're going with an Oakland Raiders color scheme black, silver, and white and the jerseys for all six teams were recently discovered my friend Sean Jackman says that Columbus's printer ran out of ink because, you know black, white, silver, like I mentioned Not bad on the jerseys, but I will say, what is up with the Philadelphia Souls blue on blue? Now, I like the fact that they have the logo kind of on their jersey, but why did you put blue on predominantly blue? Why did you do that? Make it so that announcers, broadcasters, and the like can see the numbers. We want to see numbers. We don't want them covered up. We don't want them illegible. Please and thank you. But yeah. First game is just around the corner for the Destroyers. It's at Albany and it'll be April twenty-seventh. I'm excited. I, I can't wait to see what the Destroyers do. Yes, it's not the same arena football league where the Destroyers were in. First off, hard to believe that the quarterback Matt Nagy is now the head coach of the Chicago Bears. But same time, it's great to see the Destroyers back in action and I look forward to following along with Columbus they build a really solid team a lot of first team second team defensive pieces in there the offense looks pretty good we'll see what Columbus can do again April 27th is when the destroyers will get underway first home game won't be until May 18th when Albany comes to town that's week four in the AFL Columbus has games at Atlantic City and Baltimore before that. I like the Brigade the Brigade jerseys. Those are pretty nice. Kind of similar to what Columbus has except, you know, with a little bit more color. Atlantic City's jerseys aren't bad, although I don't like the fact they hyphenated AC. Why just spell Atlantic City across? Just AC. The Blackjacks, you know, for gambling. And I think that will close out episode 92 quite nicely. Again, if you want merchandise from this podcast, the link is available at com slash podcast. It's been great to talk with you again. Can't wait to do it again for episode 93. And lots of great things happening in the pipeline for this podcast, like I mentioned. Although this podcast is no longer available on a network, it's still going to do great things. This podcast was meant to show the local people that, yes, I can work in sports. Stop ripping up my resume and throwing it in the shredder when you see it. But it's been really cool to talk about local sports. And I thank you for joining me on the ride. Episode 93 will be out next week, I say, before I actually do, but there you go. The LeeWMallon.com slash podcast is the place to pick your platform and listen on the go on the laptop wherever also merchandise is now available thanks to T public this has been the gem on the Queen's crown this Cincinnati Dayton sports podcast if there are any networks that are looking at this podcast or listening to this podcast it's all audio you know and think that this podcast would be a great addition to the network let me know I'm at the Lee W. Mallon and Gem on Queen Crown on Twitter. And like the Facebook page, the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati Dating Sports Podcast. And also drop a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It makes me feel better, and reviews are great. And put a little extra step in my pep. I think I got that wrong, but that's okay. It's just going to stay like that. Talk to you for episode 93, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy the local sports. This has been another installment of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the local Cincinnati and Dayton sports podcast. Closing theme by James Anderson from FreePD.com. Follow the podcaster on Twitter at the Lee w. Mallon, spelled T H E L E W M O W E N, and the podcast on Twitter at Gem on Queen Crown. Like the Facebook page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown. For every link and platform available to listen to the local Sunday sports podcast, please visit theleewmawan.com/slash podcast. Would you like a question about sports answered on the podcast? Send a message on Twitter at either account or visit the theleadwmallon.com and click contact me and your question might be answered in a future episode. Thank you for listening and your support of this podcast.